Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of For What It's Nerd. Today, I want to discuss a few different things, including the D&D movie, um, Bad Batch Season 2's finale, and news surrounding Secret Invasion, the next show in the MCU, of course. Um, there's a lot to discuss, so let's get into it. First off, I want to discuss the D&D movie, funnily enough. Um, I watched it Friday night, um, and I'll be honest, I'm finding it hard to place this movie. Um, I don't think it's bad, necessarily. I didn't think it was good, either. Um, why I say that is, uh, it's not a movie that breaks any sort of um, expectation or breaks any sort of, like, artful or cultural or, or like, kind of um boundary like that's been set by modern art so to speak it, it's nothing phenomenal but was it a bad movie i find it hard to say that i think i don't think it don't think it was i think there's a reason there's, there's redeemable parts of this movie now the title of the movie dungeons and dragons obviously holds a lot of weight um i i personally if it were me I would have actually swapped the titles around. I would have had the movie be called Honor Among Thieves and then have like Dungeons and Dragons, like a, like a Dungeons and Dragons story or something like that, because I feel like that would have altered expectations about this movie. Now, I know that sounds very weird because that was the tagline of the movie anyway, but I feel like I feel like the Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons being the bigger part of this kind of um of this uh like logo this kind of like imagery of what the movie was going to be um wasn't perhaps helpful in setting expectations for this movie honor among thieves i feel is more um akin to what the the, the, the story is about as like the broader title if that makes sense because in my opinion the way the trailers set up the issues in this movie were completely opposite to what actually happened in the movie, or rather, lesser. So, essentially, for long story short, and to avoid as many spoilers as possible, the big bads are actually like the the, the kind of the big overarching bad thing, so to speak, that happens in this movie, then that kind of is intimated throughout the movie, actually takes a backseat. And I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing because this movie was about character more than about, um story which is interesting as a, as a D&D um sort of analogy of player over you know you know the the gameplay sometimes etc but i i do find that the, the overarching story the epicness of the tale wasn't necessarily there which is implied by dungeons and dungeons and dragons so i kind of felt like at points you had this situation where you were trying to rectify the two parts of the title but anyway what i'm trying to say is that the big bad of this piece the the bigger the kind of the threat that was being posed by um, the 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 enemies, so to speak, the red mages in this movie, and um, oh, I forget the guy's name, but Zaz Zaztan or something like that, um, who essentially was building an undead army. Um, it wasn't it wasn't what it was portrayed in the trailer. The trailer implied, in my opinion, that they were going to face down this evil a lot more kind of head-on than actually ended up happening. It was like sort of an ancillary thing that like after the main plot was wrapped up, they, they saw that too. Um, again, not against it. I think there was some important 
um kind of character work done in this movie it was very it was it was it was a it was an endearing tale despite the fact that it didn't have story so to speak um you did wonder at parts though what was actually happening you wonder where this was going um and i feel like some of it came down to a desire a desire to kind of how do i put it they wanted to encapsulate dungeons and dragons um but sometimes dungeons and dragons can be how do i put it non-linear right as an idea and it felt like the story suffered from that in parts too it felt like and this 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 is maybe a slightly harsh but it's the easiest way i can kind of describe it it felt like at points you had five episodes of a saturday morning cartoon fixed together and yes there was narrative throughout those but it felt like at points there was parts of the story that just weren't congruous with the rest um that didn't mean that there wasn't for example fun in the movie though like there was fun sequences there was fun parts it was quite enjoyable part in, in, in the cinema where I was. There was laughter. People were enjoying it. There was humor in this movie. Um, Justice Smith did a really good job of delivering a lot of humor in this movie. Um, Chris Pine, I, I don't think he was necessarily bad. I don't think he was great. I, I think he's done better movies. Um, but he and Michelle Rodriguez, they did. They were the heart of the movie, even though, even though they maybe weren't. They didn't shine fully in this role, so to speak. I don't think they, I think they were still the heart of the movie, um, primarily because they're sort of the main characters, so to speak, but, and the ones we spend the most time with as well. But yeah, I do feel like they didn't shine fully, but it wasn't a bad thing, but it was kind of like, it wasn't, it was weird. It, it, it's this kind of thing of like, it feel it feels like this movie was made with the intention of being as D D as it possibly could, whilst also appealing to a wider audience. And I think that is where my fault lies in this. For example, the party is made up of and this can happen obviously in the Dungeons and Dragons game. I'm not saying that you can't have a full party of humans, but the party was made up of th- two humans, a half elf, and a tiefling that looked essentially human. Now that sort of you know it implies that like that this universe is very mundane and it's not you know they're they're spell slinging and they're they're dealing with dragonborn and aracocra and you know there's 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 other species that show up um there's an orc i believe you know there's um there's a lot of things going on in as regards like the the, um the characters that show up as like side characters it wasn't like they were trying to mundanify D&D overall. They were just doing it with the party, which felt weird to me. I feel like if they had one, and I understand from a CGI perspective, etc., that might have been costly and so on and so on and so on. But it felt like it felt like it wasn't a full, genuine, you know, it, whilst, let me put it this way, whilst a D&D party could definitely be um, five, five, four, five-ish, there is a character that comes in later that's also human, by the way. Um, there's like five-ish characters who are, are human-esque, whereas most parties you will find, I mean, for example, Critical Role, one human and maybe, uh, like, for example, I'm currently watching season two of Critical Role. I'm a little bit behind on it from, from ages ago, but, um, you know, um, a half-orc, a human, another human, uh, a half-ling, 
a tiefling, but a blue tiefling. Um, you know, what I'm trying to say is, is there's more diversity there straight away in the party. Now, don't get me wrong, again, like I said, there was diversity in the ancillary characters in the world building. There was definitely a sense of, yeah, you're in the D&D world. For example, they did mention on numerous occasions stuff like, um, I mean, the, the, main, the main capital of this movie was, um, it, you were in Neverwinter, I believe, which I, I, I don't know loads about D&D lore. I know bits and pieces, but um, Neverwinter, um, there's um, reference to Baldur's Gate, uh, you know, there's stuff like that. There's, um, the sword, the sword coast. You know, there's, there's these different things that are mentioned and different things that are um, um, intimated. And you, you know, there there is the 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 um, especially the beasts that show up in D and D, for example, um, for like um, the owl bears, for example. And 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 there's others, but that um, aren't on the top of my head right now. So there was an intention, I think, a wholly um, good intention to this wasn't an intent this wasn't them trying to profit i don't think off the dnd brand while making something totally different they were trying to make a dnd movie but they were trying to appeal to a mass audience and i think at points that left it thin because the dnd world has so much richness like there's books and books and books i mean i don't even play dnd that often like and the books that I have there are, are enough to build like 10, 15, 16, 17, 18 campaigns out of them, let's say, something like that. And that's like, you know, that's a lot of story. And you know, there's 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 there, there was there was room for it. And like I get it. It was it was a fun romp, it was a fun movie. I think it could have done more. I think it could have done more, and I think it could have better sold itself as what it actually was. Um saying that. I did find that they kind of mixed up the idea of what what D and D needed to be, but also what a story in the fantasy needs to be. Because in this movie, I felt like th- there wasn't much fighting. Well, there was fighting, but there wasn't much of it. And I felt like sometimes it was really dealing with what would be called in the game role play, but in obviously in the movie acting, there was there was, there was a lot more scenes about you know, people's death and and questions of sort of morality to an extent. Like, not deep stuff, but, like, it was more that. And it was quite interesting to see that play out. And, you know, even, even in the beginning, for example, there's a whole section where um, they're, like, um, Chris Pine's character, Ed, is giving kind of his backstory, and it does feel like a session zero, so to speak, where you're, you're like, you're sat like, hey, I'm this character, this is what I do. Like, it was kind of like very amateurish D&D in a way. It was funny, and there was, there was like, there was, a, like, again, there was a, an attempt, and I do believe that it deserves some kind of, like, recognition and some kind of, like, yeah, that was fun. It's a popcorn movie. It, it, it's what you would call, it's similar to, like, I don't know, ant-man for example like the first ant-man it's like a movie that yeah it's fun it's not the best entry in marvel you know for example um but it's fun and you can enjoy it and if you just kind of switch your brain off for two hours and enjoy a movie it's fun uh, also as someone who went with other people people who weren't um, um aware of dnd um weren't really into dungeons and dragons they said they enjoyed it, so clearly it's doing something right on some level. I think it's just that as a movie, as someone who knows D&D, watching it, it's hard to kind of 
it's hard to kind of get into it, so to speak. It's hard to kind of reconcile it with the D&D that we know from the source books and from, you know, again, shows like Critical Role or other such shows or even, you know, other sort of media formats that we know this kind of, um, this kind of fantasy-esque escapade from. So that's kind of my, my, um, my opinion on um, the D&D movie. I'd say a f- five and a half. I, I, that sounds harsh. Um, I know, but the thing is, I think people skew what a review is more than not and kind of like suddenly five becomes the baseline five to ten is actually the baseline well i think you need to be using the whole scale and this movie is just above average it's good and there's parts that bring it up at that up there at points there's parts that bring it kind of lower there's a whole sequence for example in a graveyard that i won't spoil for anyone who does go and watch it but it is very funny it's very and it kind of it plays into what players um what players find the game to be like sometimes like the kind of the jokery of, of like how these things actually might work in a, a sort of real situation which was very interesting but yeah there's parts that's really good and there's parts that were kind of but um um yeah overall a solid okay popcorn flight definitely secondly let's discuss something slightly different um by batch's finale this week um, now this was a two-part finale, um, and um, the episodes I will say were some of the better episodes of this season. They really kind of pushed the story forward, um, which you kind of expect of a finale. But it felt like this could have been some of this could have been laid better throughout the season. For example, Saw Guerrero shows up in this um, the first episode. And it feels like he's just popped up out of nowhere since he wasn't in this season at all until um, now, which which felt kind of weird. I literally, he, he appeared on screen and I was like, oh, uh, hello. I didn't realize why he was there. I get the intention of it. And to be honest, it, 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 it added stakes to the episode in a way that it didn't really have before. And, but it felt like it would have been better if these characters had been at odds with Saw Gerrera prior to this episode so that when they were at odds with him here, it was more impactful. I feel like that would have been a better way to sell this. Either way, it was a very fun episode. Um, this to be in the first part. Um, we got to see Director Krennic as Commander Krennic in this one. We got to learn more about what um, what they're doing with the Clone Project. We also learned in the second episode um, that um, the the clone that is the the woman who is in the facility um, on with hemlock is actually a clone that's what i was trying to say trying to get my words out emery is a clone she is as she puts it omega's sister um as omega is captured by the cloning program the advanced scientific division um in this in in the in the sort of second episode the, the the finale episode the final episode of season two Obviously, the big thing I want to discuss in this episode is the death of a character in this episode, that being Tech. Now, Tech was built up a lot this season. There was a lot of episodes that kind of felt Tech-centric or Tech-involved, which now obviously seems very clear. You know, it's like on like a reality show where they start giving the backstory to the person they're kicking off on that week because they want you to know them before they leave it felt very much like that it felt like oh yeah we're getting some we're getting some story about this person here they're going to either you know die or they're going to have some kind of really big moment or something you know um 
And so I, I wasn't wholly surprised when it came to it. I think it was bold. Now, I, I, I find that Dave Filoni in the past hasn't been able to let go of characters that he's built up in a significant way, apart from Kanan, which was very much true, but I think that was probably baked in from the beginning and as a way of building up not only... Um, not only Ezra, but a little bit Ahsoka, and really building up all the characters. But I feel like a lot of the time in these shows, you see the characters come up again. At some point, they kind of just they continue on and on and on and on. Um, but I will say this time, I, I am I will commend. I think it was the best idea to get um to lose one of the members of the squad. I think it I'd stick to the story. I'd stick to the idea that they're going up against the Empire. Um, but. I will say this was the easy way. This was this was easy. This is an easy way to lose a character because, and I thought about this a lot, production-wise, it's not hard to get rid of a character that essentially was voiced by the same person as half the other like characters in the cast. You know, because D. Bradley Baker does the voices of Tech, Echo, um, Hunter, Wrecker, Crosshair, Cody, Rex. Any other clone troop that t- turns up, uh, some other voices as well. So it's like you, you're not losing anything really. You're not, you're not saying to an actor, "Oh, you're out of work." Essentially, so it's that kind of thing of like, okay, you can do it very easily. So I will, I will kind of deduct like, like a like a quarter of a point, so to speak, because of that. I think you know th- there was a there was a point where I felt like, um, I felt like, oh, this is like interesting. They're doing this, but also it's very easy to to get rid of an animated character voiced by the same person as half the other ca- half the rest of the cast is also voiced but that's kind of the pessimistic side of me i do think this is going to be very interesting reading season 3 i think think season 3 is where i might actually start enjoying the bad batch i know that's very weird to say but i think season 3 is actually going to be about what this show is about um and it needs to happen. It needs to be like, it needs to hit the floor kind of and go. And it needs to be like an epic, like like sort of like the four episode arcs that you have in, in Clone Wars Season 7, etc. It needs to be like a show that just, like it just needs to go bam and just hit and hit and run and show all these different things happening and show a kind of really interesting story. I think, I think we're past the point where we need a Clone Wars-esque show that has like these kind of one-off episodes that do really nothing. And don't get me wrong, they're fun sometimes. I've said this before, I said this last week. But I think that we're kind of past that as regards to the Bad Batch now. And I think the Bad Batch needs to get into it. I think, for example, the fact that, like, I think this season could have very much had a sum of what season three might have been in this season rather than having some of the episodes that were in this season. But that's that's a whole different opinion for a different day. But yeah, so I think... Bad Batch ended on a high note, ended on an interesting note. I'm interested to see where it goes next, especially because the cloning story that they have going on is very similar to what Mandalorian has going on right now, and it seems like those two are going to connect at some point. They're heading the same sort of way, and I'm very interested to see how that ends, how that comes together. Now, with all that said, let's move on to another show, another story uh, of characters reappearing so to speak um that being that the um secret invasion has discussed some of the characters showing up that nick fury in this show is very shaken by the world after 
endgame after Thanos, and he is struggling to kind of come to terms, sort of, so to speak, with what's happening and his own vulnerability in the world because of that. So obviously Nick is no longer director of S.H.I.E.L.D. There is no S.H.I.E.L.D. technically. And on top of that, he doesn't really have the heroes he could trust before. You know, three of them are gone. Some of them are off planet, etc., etc. So he, he, he's on his own, so to speak. And so this time he's recruiting characters like Martin Freeman, uh, Martin Freeman's... Um, character i forget his name off the top of my head which is really bad um it's not coming to me either um from the cia roadie um as part of the american government olivia coleman's character who has been confirmed to be a part of mi6 who has worked with nick fury in the past but has sometimes clashed with him as well that's very interesting as a as a point of contention i'm very interested to see where that goes and obviously ben mendelson's character talos or talos depending on how you see it now, this is the interesting part. This is very interesting. And that is Amelia Clark's character in this show. We a lot of people have been wondering who it is, who she is, what she's about. Well, we finally seem to know from Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair has said that this is the child of Ben Mendelssohn's Talos in Captain Marvel, the young girl that we see then. She grew up to be Amelia Clark essentially um obviously um she i think she's called gaia or some uh, uh, some variation on gaia um and so it's gonna be very interesting to see how she perceives the world because she's essentially grown up on earth even though she is a scroll she's seen most of what's happened on earth she's been essentially on earth for all of the mcu's span so to speak so that's very interesting that's very um that's curious. That's going to be that's going to be a a, a big deal. And, and and the story seems to revolve around these this group of scrolls who have split from Talos's faction, Talos's faction, because they want the world to recognize them and get what they deserve as sort of refugees, so to speak. Which I think is a very poignant story in the world right now. Um, and it also I hope follows on from a, a theme that we had in. Um, Captain America and um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm sorry, I'm so used to calling Sam a Cap now, like Cap Sam. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I hope it kind of follows on with the kind of the repatriation council and stuff like that. I don't think it will necessarily, but I do hope it does, and I hope it does it better because I feel like that's where Falcon and the Winter Soldier sort of dipped at points because it didn't keep a consistent level on the idea of refugees and what was going on in the world. And as a kind of mirror to the, the real world, so to speak. But um, I'm very excited for Secret Invasion anyway. You know, you're seeing Kobe Smulders return as Maria Hill as well. You're seeing, obviously, Samuel L. Jackson. You're seeing Martin Freeman, um, Don Cheadle, you know, Olivia Coleman, which is very exciting for me. Amelia Clark, um, Ben Mendelsohn. You know, the, the, the cast is star-studded for this show. And not just star-studded, but incredibly good actors in this movie in this show so that's going to be very good to see develop um and it's a very different take on the marvel universe thus far um a kind of more i don't describe it noir seems incorrect but that sort of vibe it's a little bit more um intelligent spy thriller sort of thing and you know it's 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 winter soldier-esque but it's human its center and it feels like a darker agents of shield in a way a kind of more mature agents of shield 
which is interesting because there has been rumors that some of those characters may return in this, which obviously we don't know at this point. But I'm very excited to see what comes with Secret Invasion. I'm very happy with um, what's happened in The Bad Batch, of course, and the D&D movie, if you want to watch it. It's okay. Thank you guys, as always, for watching. 